0: Knoxville Tower. Runway 23 left at Alpha 8. Taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay. Wind 204 Runway 23 left at Alpha 8. Clear for takeoff. Traffic. Three mile final. Read back correct. Tower for taxi. Have a good flight.
1: Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode will give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure.
2: Welcome to our newest episode of From the Runway Up. Today we are going to be talking about the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, that operates our airport checkpoint and the checkpoints around the United States and some of the things that you can expect, some tips that you can use when you're traveling this summer or anytime really through the checkpoint that will help speed up your process. So we're really excited about what we hope to learn today and maybe get some few
1: stories about things that we see at an airport checkpoint. As we have mentioned in our podcasts before, Mickey Tyson Airport is growing at a great rate. So there's new things that are going to be happening with the TSA Security Checkpoint that we're really excited to talk about today. So Eddie, welcome to our podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Caitlin and Becky. Good to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: If you'll just start by introducing yourself and telling our listeners a little bit about you.
0: Sure. My name is Eddie McGaha, and I'm the Assistant Federal Security Director for TSA in East Tennessee. And I've been with TSA pretty much since rollout back in 2002. Before that, I worked with an air carrier here at McGee-Tyson Airport. So a lot of time spent around the airline business and kind of switched from the commercial side into the uh, government and the security side. But, uh, yeah, we're excited about the growth here at McGee-Tyson also.
2: Well, and it's been a great partnership between your organization and ours and trying to keep our travelers safe as they're flying across the world to different places. And one of the things that we should probably talk about first off is that because of this growth, we are seeing longer lines at our airport, which is kind of unnatural for us because we are a small to medium sized airport and most people find us to be very convenient. And when they come in and they see a longer line, it is a change of pace for them. And so people have had to make some adjustments when traveling through our airport because of that growth. And one of the areas that we had the most visible change in operations because of it has been at the checkpoint. So we're working with you to try to develop some expanded capacity at our checkpoint.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, Becky. We have seen tremendous growth here at McGee-Tyson Airport. And I've actually got some numbers here to talk about uh, to kind of illustrate some of that growth. Just in March alone of this year, we did about 111,500 passengers through the passenger checkpoint here at McGee-Tyson Airport, and that's in comparison to about 92,400 the year before. So wow. that's that's talking about 20% growth just in one year. Wow! Now, nationwide, TSA has been seeing about 4% growth, but here at McGee-Tyson Airport, uh, we're close to 12% growth, so about uh, three times exceeding the national growth average. But you're right. The airport, they've been tremendous security partners with TSA, and uh, we have been talking about this. One of the challenges is with all this growth, we've kind of outgrown, and sometimes we exceed our capacity for our three-lane checkpoint here at McGee-Tyson Airport. So we've talked about some expansion. We've talked about what we can do to kind of alleviate some of the weight that we're seeing due to the unprecedented growth recently. The airport, I do believe, is going to begin some construction within the next few weeks. And so the passenger will be seeing that as they come out here with an anticipated completion time sometime in the fall of this year. Yeah,
2: The construction will be an expanded area to try to accommodate a fourth lane. Right now there are three lanes so that we can move people more quickly through still safely, still screened, not compromising security at all, but adding to our ability to process passengers through the checkpoint by having that uh, additional footprint or additional addition to the lane.
0: That is correct. So yeah, a fourth lane is going to take some of the pressure off of the growth of we've been seeing. We got the summer to go through. yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of growing pains uh, until we get to that point. We can talk about some of the things that the uh, passengers and the travelers can do to kind of help out uh, until we get that fourth lane in place.
2: Well, and the one thing that we have been saying and saying and saying until that lane is open is make sure you get to the airport ahead of time more than you think you do, especially since historically we haven't been an airport where you needed to get here extremely early for your flight. We're really encouraging passengers to get here too hours before their domestic departure, it's particularly in the morning. We're seeing the longest lines first thing in the morning starting as early as 5 a.m. through 8 a.m. in the morning, and most people don't want to get up two hours earlier than that.
0: (laughs) Well, that is true, and you know, some of the air carriers here, just for example, American, they've added some new destinations, and in that early morning bank, I believe Delta Airlines has added some larger aircraft capacity going out, and Allegiant Airline, with their recent announcement of being a maintenance base here, they've added some additional departures also. So again, that kind of just leads all into the growth but the thing is and this is the analogy I like to give is we've got a three-lane checkpoint right now and so sometimes we see upwards of 600 passengers in one hour that are scheduled to depart out of Knoxville so if you're number 600 in line there's only so many folks that we can get through in our current you know three-lane setup that we have so if you're number 600 you're probably going to be waiting a little bit so that is good advice Becky to go ahead and have folks show up early especially through this busy travel season
1: We always get asked to because there's some flights that depart out of here at 5 a.m., 5.15. And so we're telling people to get here two hours before their flight. The checkpoint opens around?
0: Typically about 4 o'clock, maybe a few minutes afterwards. What I've been seeing recently is by 10 after we've been open.
2: Okay. Yeah. And so that helps accommodate. So mm-hmm. if you're flying out on those only morning flights, you want to be checked in and be in line. So you're not number 600. Right. Because when you said that, my mind automatically tried to picture a line 600 people long. I don't want to be at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the other thing that uh, we may want to talk about is as far as the uh, pre-check impact, my understanding is, is that the fourth lane, that when it goes in, it's going to be, as you're facing the checkpoint, and and a lot of our listeners will be familiar with the McGee-Tyson checkpoint setup, it'll be over to the far right, lane number three, where we have the current pre-check setup right now. That's where lane four Mm -hmm. will be going in. So there may be a few times when uh, there may be some construction going on, pre-check passengers may need to go through the standard lanes. This will be, you know, hopefully a minimal impact, the folks that are designated as pre-check will still get to leave their shoes on, keep light outer jackets on, but they may have to go through that standard lane, which means they'll have to take their liquids and laptops out. Most of the construction, I understand, is going to be happening overnight and right. off mm-hmm. hours, but there may be some times during the day where that happens. So we just want to let folks know about that. They're coming expecting the pre-check lane to be open.
2: Well, and I think the reason that it might overflow into the day is that there's only now with all this growth and more flats coming in and out, there's only this small window of a few hours in the middle of the night where no one's going through a checkpoint or coming through the other direction. And so it really limits it. And if we only do it in three and four hour increments every night, we'll never be able to build the lane in time. (laughs) So there has to be some accommodations to it. But you mentioned PreCheck. So for our listeners who don't know about that program, what is PreCheck?
0: PreCheck is a TSA program to where you pay $85 and you have a background check done, and that's really what the $85 is for, is to accommodate that background check. And it's good for five years after that, and because you've had that background check, TSA knows a little bit of information about you, so there may be a little bit of uh, reduced risk as far as like what you may be coming to the airport with. You get to leave your shoes on, you get to leave your light out or jackets on. In a standard lane, you have to take out all liquids and laptops because our lanes aren't set up. For the screening of those in the bag, but on the pre-check lane, they are, and it's just some expedited conveniences that we do because you've allowed us to do some background check on you. So it's a really good program, and it's been in uh, place for several years now. And we do have a lot of folks here in the local area that participate in the pre-check. We've actually had two enrollment events in cooperation with the airport here, and we do plan on having another one maybe in about September of yeah, this I year. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. the
2: last week of September, and I think that it may even be a two-week time frame this time around. So
1: Because it's always so popular.
2: Yeah, and if you're interested and you're listening and you want to know more about the PreCheck program, you can visit... TSA.gov and search for PreCheck. Or if you're interested in the possible pop-up location, just follow us on our social media channels. We post information about when those are going to occur because we don't always have that here at our facility as a permanent thing. So it is just a pop-up location.
0: Right. And we did have a permanent location where residents in this area could go. And it was in the Halls area, I think up on Maynardville Pike. And that particular location is closing down. But I think they're going to have one a little bit more centrally located. I don't have all the I think details it's off on Ebenezer that. Ebenezer Road. Right, Ebenezer Road. So that's going to be maybe a little bit more convenient for folks to get to if they want to sign up for PreCheck outside of these enrollment events that we're having.
2: Well, and PreCheck is not just for our airport. If you sign up for it, the $85 in the program, it's all U.S. airports.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's not just us. Right. Yep. Actually, I'm a huge pre-check fan and uh, my husband and I flew out of Seattle and they actually have a checkpoint designated for pre-check that took us maybe two and a half minutes to get through. And (laughs) it was so nice passing the other checkpoint and seeing a long (laughs) line. And so it is definitely worth it.
0: And that's another thing too, the more passengers that we get enrolled in pre-check, you may come to the airport and see a long line in pre-check at times, especially, you know, some of the business travel times, Monday mornings and things like that. But that line's usually moving a little bit faster because of some of the expedited things that we talked about just a few minutes ago. So even though it may look like a longer line, it's probably going to be beneficial for you to be in that line because it's moving faster than the standard line.
1: So for our travelers that maybe don't fly very frequently, you know, they don't fly a lot to where pre-check isn't really right for them. You know, this summer we have a bunch of families traveling. We have people that don't travel often. What are some of the big tips that you recommend for people that will expedite that process and, and make it as easy as possible for them?
0: Well, that's a good question, Caitlin. And you're right. If you're not involved in the pre-check program, more than likely you're going to be what we call standard passenger. So you're going to go through the typical screening. Some of the things that passengers uh, before they come out to the airport need to remember is there's a 3-1-1 liquids rule. So that is you can have in your carry-on bag 3.4 ounces or less per container in one quart size clear plastic Ziploc bag, and that's one per passenger. So that's where the 3-1-1 comes in, 3.4 ounces, one quart Size bag per passenger. You can have more amounts than that, but it has to go in your check luggage. So if you're coming through the checkpoint, make sure that you're following that rule. Also, just some other things to remember as you're coming through the checkpoint. Have you ever gotten to the uh, TSA travel document check position and there's like a lot of folks just fumbling with getting IDs and boarding pass Mm -hmm. where you have to check that? If our passengers can remember to have that out and ready to go, that does seem to be a bottleneck sometimes. So if you are not fumbling through your wallet or purse and then, you know, digging through your bag for your boarding pass and whatnot, I believe that's going to help people as they go through. It's going to speed the process up. Now, a lot of folks that are technologically savvy anymore, uh, they do have their boarding passes on their smartphones. So another good tip about that is maybe rather than having it refresh, just have that ready. But also you can maybe even take screenshots of that to where you can just scroll through it and have each of oh, Great Um, tip. Yeah, the boarding pass checker there. Uh, Another thing to do is review in the prohibited items list. You can go on to tsa.gov and take a look to see what you can and you can't take. Some things that may be allowed in check luggage are not allowed through the checkpoint. As a matter of fact, TSA here locally in Knoxville, we've intercepted about 12 firearms this year already.
2: My goodness.
0: And it's not that anybody's coming out here with any intent, but people just forget about that. It's in a bag. They haven't used that bag in a while, but it does slow the process down because usually we have to get airport police involved at that point. We have to make a a report on it. So if you're checking for anything that's prohibited in your bag before you get out here, that's going to speed the process for everybody.
2: That's one of the things that's real important. And I know that TSA tries to um, educate the community on things like that, especially in the fact that Tennessee is a, you have a permit to carry and people believe that you can do that in an airport and you forget. A lot of people forget there isn't any room for forgetting at an airport. And so that seems to be the surprising thing when someone comes through and they go, oh my goodness, yes, I do have that in my bag. I completely forgot. There still has to be some repercussions. What is the process that a person will go through. And this is just a cautionary warning to people who are listening that if you do accidentally even bring a a weapon into the airport, there are some consequences to it.
0: Right. And that's a good question, Becky. There could be couple of different consequences. There could be some um, statutes on the local level that apply as far as where you may have to show up in local jurisdiction or court, something like that. And there could be fines imposed. Also from the TSA end, we can impose civil penalties for something like that. And I think typically for a firearm going through a passenger checkpoint, it's usually about $5,000. It's expensive.
2: I know that for a fact.
0: It it is. Now, a lot of times they do allow you some type of a break if you're going to pay it within 30 days or something but still it's really not worth it it's a it just behooves passengers to just go ahead and check through their bags before they come to the checkpoint.
2: And from our perspective, uh, we are a public place and we are subject to the sunshine law, which in the state of Tennessee means that if someone requests information, then they have that. And, and I have, from our experience in the public relations department, found that every time we've had some kind of weapon uh, show up at the checkpoint, the media does get that information and that person's name's out there. That report is public knowledge. So not only is it a, a stiff penalty for from a monetary standpoint, it can also be, I know I wouldn't want to have my uh, my picture in the paper of having a gun at the airport. And that, that has happened. So this is just to our listeners as a cautionary tale. It's real easy to do, but make sure you check your luggage, check your purse, check your backpack, however you carry, because we get so used to carrying that it becomes something that is a bigger issue when you get onto property.
1: So I want to make sure that you leave that stuff at home. And you can lose your firearm and miss your flight. Yeah. Those those things, too. (laughs) Really bad day.
0: Right. And we don't want to focus on firearms. I mean, just check for knives or any any liquids that are too large. Something that's going to slow down the process that's going to get you and all the other travelers through the checkpoint a lot quicker.
2: Definitely. Definitely. So you got anything else on your list?
0: Yeah, just a couple of things. Just give yourself enough time to arrive at the airport. Again, we've mentioned that there are a lot of other travelers during this time. So they're just trying to get to a destination just like you are to see family or just to relax, go on vacation, you know, whatever the case may be. So uh, during this busy time, please be here early. Don't anticipate to show up and just breeze right through the checkpoint. Sometimes that may happen, but on a lot of occasions, it's not going to happen. So just give yourself enough time. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about is passengers' with a disability or medical condition, they can call ahead to the TSA CARES toll-free helpline, and that number is 855-787-2227. So if you have a disability or medical condition, uh, you can get some assistance from TSA and, and get some questions answered also.
2: That's great. It's nice to have that, because I know that we, through our customer service line at the airport, too, if you're listening, we do have assistance with you if you're traveling alone and need assistance in the parking garage. You simply call 865-342-3180, and they will come out and bring a golf cart to you to help you get into the terminal building. So. I know that we all work very hard at airports across the country and in here to be more accommodating if possible.
1: Well, and I think that's what travelers want too. They just, they have questions. You know, there's so many things that they they don't know, you know, maybe how it works. And so I really like that you have the TSA Cares. You also have the Ask TSA, which I think is really cool. You can pretty much, It's is it Facebook and Twitter? Or is it is. It, and so you can just post a picture like, hey, I'm want to bring this tennis racket, can I bring it through? Or you can ask TSA anything about your upcoming flight and they'll respond in a very timely manner.
0: And a lot of that information is on TSA.gov. So you can go on there and just, you know, look for prohibited items, what, what I can and can't take.
2: Well, and I know I have been asked this a whole lot is how TSA determines what technologies are at their checkpoint? How do you determine what is the screening process? And we know that through presentations from TSA in the past, that a lot of those have been brought to the checkpoint because of a prior threat to try to mitigate those, like the 311 or some of those things. So, how does TSA determine what the screening process looks like and, and how do they plan for the future?
0: Wow, Becky, that's a loaded question. But, uh, so let me think where to start on that one. Um, a lot of the screening processes we do and the equipment that we have, it is based on intelligence or maybe something that uh, has happened in the past, such as, you know, taking your shoes off. There's a reason for that. There was a threat related to shoes at one time. So that's something moving forward that TSA is going to adapt to. Of course, TSA is always looking for the newest technology. They do have folks that are developing different ways to do screening all the time. This isn't so much about the actual equipment, but uh, in some airports, you're seeing now automated screening lanes where the bins actually you know, just kind of recycle and go oh, wow. back and forth. So that way, you're not having to do a lot of the things manually as far as divesting. It's right there. You just put it in the bin and it goes through.
2: So it's not necessarily just driven about security threat. It could be about passenger convenience in the process.
0: Right. And and TSA's mission is to protect the nation's transportation systems. Now we also understand that there's an element of customer service to that also. So any any time that we can do things like pre-check to where we do a background check and maybe there's some expedited measures associated, TSA wants to do that. We understand that we can't search everybody because nobody's going to make it to their final destination. Then we do have to be smart about it. Uh, we do have some rules based things that are out there. But as far as technology and equipment, TSA is always looking for you know ways to stay ahead of adversaries. Uh, anybody that would want to do harm to our transportation systems. Because in all honesty, in an aircraft and air travel, that's still a target for some folks out there.
1: Yeah. So we've mentioned, I feel like we talk about it all the time, how we're growing and, and you've talked about this fourth lane. What staffing comes with that? Are you all hiring? If someone wants to be a part of TSA, how, how do they apply?
0: Well, again, I believe that is going to be through, if anyone is interested in a job with TSA, we do hire quite a bit from time to time, and that's on usajobs.com. That's the only way. We don't have any applications here locally. It's all electronic. But those who travel regularly out of Knoxville, if you're going through the passenger checkpoint anytime in the near future, you'll probably see some new faces up there because we have hired some folks recently, and that's in anticipation of not only the growth, but that that Fourth lane coming along, so we want to be positioned well enough to where when that fourth lane gets here, that we're going to have the the folks here to staff it. Yeah, let me just mention a couple more quick things. So the busiest travel day in TSA history uh, was the Friday before Memorial Day, just a couple of weeks ago, and that was 2.8 million passengers wow. nationwide. Now some of the peak travel days during the summer we can see nationwide up to 2.7 million. I remember just a couple of years ago, we were talking about TSA screens 1.8 million per day. And last year it was 2 million per day. And I think this year it's 2.2 million. But again, those peak travel days can be up to 2.7 million. Now here locally at McGee-Tyson Airport, our Busiest travel day ever was the Sunday after Thanksgiving last year. And we did just over 5,000 people through this three lane checkpoint in one day, which that's is crazy. Yeah, that's an incredible accomplishment. But number two through six on our all time here at McGee Tyson happened in the month of May. 2019. So that, again, (laughs) speaks to the growth that we're having here.
2: Yeah, it does. And that also speaks to the progressive growth that we've got to keep up with. And and it gets really complicated because we talked about on our last episode about air service development and recruitment and how we attract new service and some of the new flights that we have. And, And then also our incumbent carriers who continue to upgrade their equipment and do things to continue to meet the travel demand of our people in our area. The thing is that growth has to be planned for or prepared for it, but we don't actually get to predict when we grow. It's really up to the airlines who are serving our market to add that service. So it's really catch-22. So now that the growth is coming, we're really having to plan to accommodate for that. And that's where you're seeing the fourth checkpoint being built. You're looking at some additional parking being added to our economy lots. We're talking every day here about how do we continue to plan and stay ahead of the growth curve so that people aren't standing in lines and people find this as convenient. I know that Caitlin and and I had a conversation recently where she really just hit it on the head when she said, we shouldn't be seen. You shouldn't even... Pay attention to what we do here at the airport. Your travel experience should be seamless. And if we're doing our job right, you won't notice us. And so lately people kind of noticed us. And so we're changing some things to make it back to where it was that convenient, affordable airport that we have always been. Because that's important to us. The customer service that we provide here, and I know it is to you too, making sure that it's a safe experience. But at the same time, it is a pleasant one.
0: Yes, uh, again, McGee-Tyson Airport, they've always been tremendous security partners with TSA, and we appreciate that relationship. Again, if you're traveling this summer, please plan on showing up early, pack smart, and uh, just have some patience as you're coming through.
1: And maybe don't fly on the Sunday after Thanksgiving this year. Or the <laughs> right. Friday before yeah. Memorial Day. or.
0: <laughs> Those are popular times to go see family. It is. <laughs> it
2: is. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been a great having a conversation about airport security
1: and safety.
0: Absolutely. I've had fun. Thank you.
1: I always learn so much whenever we talk with TSA, and now that we are are growing and things are changing, I think that it's really important that our travelers and our listeners are up to speed on what is happening here at Mickey Tyson Airport. And I know that throughout our recent podcast episodes, we've really tried to focus on businesses that use the airport that maybe you don't think of or people that use the airport. But as we talk about those those companies, we really need to think about how using our airport is changing.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, more people means more constraints on our operations and where do we grow with them and how do we stay ahead of them and and we've had previous episodes where we've talked about planning and and master planning and do that and that's good for long-term projects but sometimes you just have a lot of flights in a quick amount of time and how do you park them all or you know how do you get people in and out safely and our conversation today with TSA is a good example of that how we work very closely with the businesses within our airport Mm -hmm. to better accommodate all the travel and the support of the businesses that we have outside the airport.
1: Yeah so hopefully you learned a little or a lot about what is happening with the TSA here at Mickey Tyson Airport. So I hope that you'll visit our website at fromtherunwayup.com, look at those show notes, and we hope that you'll listen again next time.